Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cocky Top Podcast, home of the SEC football show where forever to the Gamecock Brian Lowe and all the all Tyler McDaniel put their friendship to the test during a grueling football season, all while highlighting and fighting for their volunteers and Gamecocks, respectively, throughout their season, as well as our thoughts on other teams in the conference, as well as the league. So regardless if you're a volunteer or a Gamecock or somewhere in between, let's kick this thing off and talk some ball. All right, all you cock and balls, and welcome to another episode of the Cocky Top Podcast. As always, I am forever to the Gamecock Brian Lowe. And I'm Alval Tyler Mack. And this week's episode, of course, is going to be one that if you have not listened to any of our other podcasts or any of the other Cocky Top Podcast episodes, the one that you probably should listen to if you have not listen to any of the other ones or if you've been waiting uh because this last weekend we did have the university of south carolina gamecocks traveling to knoxville to neyland stadium to take on the tennessee volunteers and i don't know if you can tell it in my voice or anything like that but i am of course disappointed in the outcome uh but i do believe congratulations are in order for you for tennessee uh for the fan base Mm -hmm. uh congratulations all around uh, first off, of course, yes, congratulations to the Tennessee players. They did play a hell of a game. It was a situation where they were they were out to, to dish out a reckoning, uh, especially after what happened that's last what, year in Williams-Brice Stadium. The, uh, the, the commentator, that's so Jordan much, Rogers, he quoted Doc Holliday yep. going into the game. He was like, oh, the Vols aren't out. He, quoted, he made movie references the whole game. That's my kind of sports commentator. Right. Uh, he did, um, uh, of course, depending on you know which team you're pulling for, not necessarily because of that, but sometimes mm-hmm. those those types of quotes and stuff like that, not specifically that one, uh, but some of those different things have a little bit more uh, stinging power behind them. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, uh, like Doc Holliday says, no, the Vols aren't looking for revenge. It's a reckoning. Right. And, and it was, I mean, because, and and this is something that, that has led to and that, that did lead to a lot of emotions for me uh, during, after, leading up to mm-hmm. uh, all kinds of stuff as far as this game. And I actually messaged you uh, on Saturday talking about some of the things that went on during the game, and we'll get into that yeah. uh, a little bit later. Um, but... For, yes, last year Tennessee goes into Williams-Brice. Mm. Number stumped. five. Yeah, number five in the country. Uh, basically, the only thing that they have left to do really other than take out South Carolina is, is handle Vandy. And we would have been. And you would have been in prime well, yeah. position for uh, a national championship or a playoff bid mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, but, of course, you know. Magic's happening. Mm-hmm. The the spirits of Williams Bryce decided that they were gonna uh, come to life in all their glory, mm-hmm. and that wasn't the case. Um, in one of the few occurrences that it does happen, South Carolina just absolutely demolished Tennessee mm-hmm. during that game. Now I've heard all kinds of different excuses um, from several different levels of fandom mm-hmm. from the Tennessee side as to why that happened that there was no reason there's no 
way in in hell i'm just gonna go ahead and say it there's no way in hell that that should have been the outcome that it was for that game whether to an extent, it be, sure, it shouldn't have. Whether it but be, it was. Whether it be dissension amongst players, whether it be, and that's the one that I heard mo- more than anything else was dissension among players. And my thought process behind that is, sure, it's ultimately the players that are going and doing stuff, but there has to be an insane amount of selfishness mm. in a program. For someone to 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 come out and say, I did not, because I know the the saying for I'm going to give my all for Tennessee today. Mm-hmm. That's Charles motto. That's mm-hmm. what's on the the yeah. the thing as they're going out of the of the locker room. You know, to come out onto the field. I I've refused to believe that someone would have been giving their you know their all their all or or would have kept a player from giving their all. Especially, especially since they were so close that you're going to tell me that because, oh, someone got pissed off at someone else that they were going to play like that? No. I mean, that's that's a lame excuse. It's a terrible excuse. That's a totally invalid excuse. But but regardless, the outcome is what the outcome was. So yeah. it, that definitely, definitely was a fueling mm. For for the type of of play that the players mm. were going to have this weekend, or what mm. we witnessed this past weekend, so yes, congratulations to the players for you know yes you lost a lot of key pieces off of the team that was last year, and there have been a lot of 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 doubts about Tennessee, you know up to this point because of the loss to Florida because of how they've handled. Their, their business with some of these other teams, perceived lesser teams, and have had struggles. But, I mean, well, we got to remind people I mean, we're early so. in the season. We're still early in the season. Yes, we won. It was fantastic. It was great. I chalk a lot of Saturday up to the 12th man. I really don't. Really? No. Um, if you, I mean, I know we both watched the game, but as far as actual procedural pen- penalties and anything like that, oh. there was hardly any. Like the noise in Neyland did not bother. The noise um, in Neyland did not bother. The noise out there did not cause the false start penalties. They did not cause pre-snap procedural penalties. There was one or two, if I remember correctly. But the defensive front for Tennessee just got after him. I mean, the in a way we, ha- we haven't seen all season. That Tennessee plays Florida would beat Florida. Yeah. That Tennessee plays Austin P. People aren't second guessing Tennessee. It, 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 the way everything happened and all that, it, it's it's all well and good. But I still am a little nerves rattled. Realization that I don't think we're the Tennessee we were last year. No, we're not. No, I mean, and, and I'm not saying this just because of the outcome of yeah. the game, but I mean, we don't. We're we're not, we're just not. It, and 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 it sucks. It, it does. It, it's it makes every game scary moving forward. Because after seeing Kentucky play Florida, uh, yeah, <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. Uh, so no, I get that. And the fact that y'all got uh, Georgia, A and M, yeah. is it Georgia A and M and Kentucky? Georgia A and M, Kentucky, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah. All three back to back. So I mean, it's it's tough sledding and. 
I hate it. <laughs> so. Oh, and your your schedule doesn't get any easier. Oh God, no. <laughs> I mean, because we've got A and M in there as well. I mean, thankfully we've got the bye week this week to be able to prep, and we've got Florida coming to town after the bye week. And you should be able to beat them. Hopefully. I hope I hope you do. I mean, yes. I mean, we will have. I hope you embarrass home field advantage. <laughs> home field advantage in that capacity, but getting back to congratulations to the players mm. for Tennessee because they did come prepared to play. They came in the the ones that were still that were a part of last year's team were like we are not going to let anything like that happen especially they, on defense, they especially had a salt on defense. And chip on their shoulder. Full on. But I also this is going to definitely be a 100% backhand compliment <laughs> in terms of congratulations to the fans. Mm-hmm. Because congratulations to the fans, but I feel sorry for the number of players that wound up being injured in Saturday's game on Tennessee's side of the ball. Of course, highlighting the the severe injury to Brew McCoy, which is totally unfortunate. And I do want it, of course, known on the record that Carolina players were kneeling, showing respect during that game. Full on respect. Albeit that's not something that the the keyboard warriors and the, no. the internet trolls and the, the people who generate propaganda want to hear um, because the amount of all of that garbage that was displayed and promoted, like I said in the intro, like leading up to this game. Mm-hmm. And, and part of the conversation that I have with you is, is just – all of the 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 absolute trash for clicks that got distributed from from what was seen. I, I, I'm just glad this one's over. And <laughs> and to be entirely honest, um, congratulations to the a majority of the Tennessee fans. And I told one of our other employees whenever I came in this morning, this said I'm glad I knew several people as themselves before I knew them as a volunteer fan Mm. Um, just because I would have a different thought process about them going into this week yeah yeah because I'll be the first to say and and you know you've got players speak you've got coaches speak you've got fans speak I'm the type of person where like two years ago I took my now wife Madison to the Ole Miss Tennessee game. Yeah, we was left. that her first game? It wasn't her first game. Okay, it was her first big game. Okay, mostly it would be I just, homecoming because I, I know where where you'd be going with that, mm-hmm. and I just I would hate for that we, to be someone's first experience. A a beer can flew over us and poured on us. I don't condone that. Right. We left. That's not the Vol fan I am, and that's not what I have pride in right so i am not a I, i'm not very versed at fan speak I'm, i don't trash talk a lot because i'm not good at it right and as much as i love my boss as much as i love the dallas cowboys the oakland raiders uh, dc comics marvel comics you know i can't trash talk because i'm just not competitive i'm right. the least competitive person in my family 
I don't like family game nights sometimes. <laughs> I don't like playing board games with friends because I'm just not a competitive person. So when I see the type of stuff like one I want to highlight, one I really want to highlight is the fact that we would have any audacity as a program to strip a former employee of Tennessee in Shane Beamer of of any of his accolades while working under Philip Fulmer is a joke and a travesty. When that started circulating, I was like, who did this? Like, who had the time to first off remember that he worked under Philip Fulmer and think, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use this straight-up lie mm-hmm. as fuel. Like, who has the time in their day to want to lie and use it as fuel. His days, he still to this day, and he said something about it before the game, during the game, and then after the game. He enjoyed his time working at Tennessee. Yeah. There's nothing like Neyland Stadium. They're so complimentary. And for someone to to look back and think that, wow, he was part of the staff as a young kid during yeah, our mean, decade of dominance yeah, yeah. under Philip Fulmer. Why can't we just be like, that's awesome, that's cool. And we, we celebrated the 98 team during the game. Freaking Montario Hardesty, who's coaching for South Carolina, had a homecoming opportunity. Yeah. But a lot of that was... It was... It was overshadowed by clickbait fan speak. And that is what makes me so... Not just infuriated as a Vol fan, because ev- every team has their fan speak fans. Some of the worst, Tennessee, Florida, Ohio State. And I get that everyone has that. But I'm like, I just can't do it. Like, I can't play into that. Right. I've never been someone to play into that. Like, I I joke with, like, on the 30 and Nerdy podcast, I joke with Josh about, I'm the DC Comics guy, he's the Marvel Comics guy. DC versus Marvel, friendly, ha, 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 ha. But at the end of the day, I can't see myself purposely fabricating a story that makes Marvel look bad. Right. For the hopes that it makes DC look good. Right. I've never understood fan speak. Yeah. I've just never played. And, and I think you're the same way. We've never really played into it. Like last year when, no. you, when you dogged us, that next Monday you just said, do you want to talk about it? And all I could say was, I, you, I don't have excuses. I don't. Yeah. Because I, I, I. And that was the end of it. That was the end of it. Because I just, I'm just not and, that kind of person. And you've not heard me at any point in time go around gloating to anyone else. No. I mean, about the outcome the of thing, last year's I just, game. I can never understand. That's the one I wanted to highlight. Shane but, Beamer gave time and energy as a staff member for Tennessee, and for anybody to think that a, it's okay to fabricate this story, and b, that we would even consider. As a university, stripping him of his time? Right. Right. Like, so. I was just, I was so frustrated when I saw that. I was like, God, this is why people hate us. Yeah. It's not, it's not the, the Between, one, the 98 championship. It's not the decade of dominance. It's not the times we've won. It's us. Yeah. It's not the players that they hate. We no, yeah, it's it's not. And it's that's it's why I fan bases off that make you hate yeah. teams. So yeah. it's like it's. I was just so 
and and it's all propaganda. I mean, mm-hmm. if you wanna if you wanna get a a, a, a linear lesson here, yeah. I mean, look at the same type of things happening in politics. Oh, it's, it's just on prop- a different level. It's all propaganda. It's propaganda. It's insane. And but, it's insane what it turns. Yeah. Uh, turns friends against friends. But but what I was getting to 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 try to come back around where I started to say. Uh, um, congratulations to the fans, but I feel sorry for the players mm. in the fact that, yes, the players already had a big enough chip on their shoulder themselves coming into the game mm. that they put forth the additional effort. But because of the vitriol from the fans and how they didn't want they wanted to make sure that they didn't let the Tennessee faithful, quote unquote, down that they gave even that much more unfortunately resulting in in my opinion and you can say just because coming from the losing team in this scenario they gave that much more resulting in those additional injuries that could have been prevented or that could have not been there i would agree and then of course beyond that uh going back to Shane Beamer in this aspect. Yes, he did work for University of Tennessee. He did work on the staff under Philip Fulmer during that time. And people are probably not going to want to hear this, but was also on the short list of people to be hired after Jeremy Pruitt got let go. Yes, he was. Including Florida current head coach Billy Napier in that conversation as well. Uh, Losing Auburn coach Hugh Freeze was on the short list. Yep. And 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 here's here's the other thing is a vast majority of those people would have loved to have had Shane Beamer, but like, now we right now but it. right now they're calling Butch Jones 2.0 is is the main thing that that That's I wanted to say. That's an even joke. Shane yeah. Beamer is far better than a coach than Butch Jones. <laughs> um, but I actually started looking into because, like I said, I mean, for I went through. Uh, uh, a roller coaster of different thoughts and emotions mm. uh, through this weekend as a result. Uh, but seeing some of the different things on social media and stuff like that, I was like, okay, so fine. Yeah, I already knew that Shane Beamer was on Tennessee staff before. Mm. I, I could probably say with a fair amount of confidence that at least 65% of Tennessee fandom had no clue. No clue. No clue that he had worked for the University of Tennessee before. I wanted to go in and tried to start doing some research to finding who exactly he may have recruited or been responsible for recruiting for the University of Tennessee during that time. I, I think that'd be a Because I know one name that, that a majority of Tennessee fans are going to recognize instantly that was on the staff as a backup at the time during Shane Beamer's second and third year. Who? Clawson. Casey Clawson. Val Kilmer. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he looks was like. brought in under the Shane Beamer tenure with Tennessee. And look what Clawson was able to do for a majority of the time. In piggybacking on that whole 65% of the fan base had no clue he worked there, I would go and say uh, to at least 65, if not more, of the fan base. In your anger, in your clickbait, in your throwing mustard bottles and golf balls, in your shouting F you to Spencer Rattler. I'm, I'm glad insults as Where opposed to tangible you? objects were hurled during Where that. Where were you when that place wasn't filled because Tennessee 
wasn't at a height. Right. Those of us that were still going are wanting to know where you all were. And and this is something to where to where another one that that got under my skin mm-hmm. is a lot of people are throwing shade even like national sports writers are now throwing shade at Spencer Rattler for his post game because of the post game comment I will say that did kind of sound clownish but I was like okay but but at the same time but if <laughs> that's it's perspective it's perspective 100% perspective just because of the fact that all right and I I <laughs> I even in my head wanted to come in and do a blind, like, okay, I'm going to give you some information about Team A, and I'm going to give you some information about Team B, mm-hmm. and I want you to tell me which one Team A is and which one Team B is, mm-hmm. or or something along yeah. those lines. And, of course, the stat line was going to be, or whatever this information was going to be, was, of course, going to be Tennessee, South Carolina in terms of that information, mm-hmm. but you would have been very kind of difficult to figure out exactly which one was which during this time span because if you look back 25 years of course you mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. that this year is the 25 year anniversary of the championship season back in 98 for Tennessee which was the last championship they had won since back in what was it the 70s 60s 70s at that point in time whenever it was multiple yeah, uh, almost to the 25-year span yeah. there as well. All right, so we've discussed before, you and I personally have discussed about uh, how things work on a pendulum. Yes. So if you look at that, all right, at a peak, mm-hmm. Tennessee in the 60s, 70s, then it swings, downswing, negative stuff, not so many great years. Then you get to like a very low point, hmm. and then it starts to build back up. You get to it to where it was then at 98. Mm-hmm. And then, yes, you're still up at that higher point. You have a peak point to where it hits, but then it starts to swing back down. You will eventually get to a low point. Mm. In this case, it wound up being Pruitt and all that other stuff as part of that low point. Years of, yeah. of terrible hirings and, and it, bad recruiting. Uh, and Butch Jones, like everything was all during that downswing, and now you're coming back up on the other side. Yes, there was some some questionable things that happened during that tenure, but in, in a general sense, you can look at it now and say that that was actually part of an upswing during that time. And now, of course, you're back to what would be hitting a peak point. Yes. How long is the, the, the pendulum going to be at that point? How long is it going to be at a high point? Who knows? But it's eventually going to wind up coming back down on mm-hmm. a downswing. The same thing happens to South Carolina. Yeah. Maybe we never got to a, a, a high as a point as what Tennessee has. We're not a blue blood program. No. Tennessee's a blue blood program. Just because they were able to, at a time in the past, be able to establish a level of dominance, had the means to be able to do so. Yes. South Carolina hasn't. It wasn't until later on in their tenure to where they started getting all of that type of stuff. And then it take, took names like Joe Morrison in the 80s and not again until 
in the 2000s, the 2010s, 2010s, mm-hmm. early 2010s, before South Carolina was able to do it again, our pendulum in some aspects is a bigger pendulum than what Tennessee's is because of the fact of how much time on the downtime in between mm-hmm. that we have to go through to be able to get to some of these things. But, I mean, I mean, it, it, it's all relative in that aspect, but getting back to what my initial thought process and the reason for going down this this rabbit hole as it were is that last year yes south carolina rushed the field Mm. after their win over tennessee tennessee was ranked number five at the time Mm. south carolina had just come off of a loss to florida to where they did not score an offensive point throughout the entire entirety of the game in the grand scheme of things, we're coming off of a tenure that had us being coached by Will Muschamp. And in 2020, a 2-8 and eight season, because it was the COVID year, mm-hmm. and we didn't even do that much better the year before, mm-hmm. a total of what was six wins over two seasons mm-hmm. before Shane Beamer took over. <laughs> We have seen lows to what Tennessee has no ideas uh, uh, of what that's even remotely like. Mm-hmm. So, yes, there was a level of excitement whenever we were able to take down last year the the team that was skyrocketing whenever we see a coach that took over a program the same time we got a new coach and are looking at it as like, well, why can't we be at that level as well, but <laughs> you're at I home. mean, I don't want. I don't you took wanna... down a number five team. Yeah, roles were reverse. We were Even... nailing. We take down a number five team. There'd be orange all over the field. It, well, I mean, the Bama. same thing happened. Whenever, yeah, it's the same thing happened at Bama. You guys had not beaten Bama in 17 years at that point in time. Mm-hmm. You were at home. You wound up taking down the giant. We took down a giant. Absolutely, but. It was a situation to where last year there was so much hatred, so much vitriol towards South Carolina because of the fact that they wound up taking out Mm -hmm. Tennessee and just completely demolished their dreams of being able to go for a national championship or to go to the playoffs. That Yeah, their players wound up coming out and playing with the type of energy and the fans were going to have that type of energy just because uh, of of trying to do everything that they could in playing like it would have been a Super Bowl to them. Piggybacking off of that, um, I'm the type of fan I mean, that the, would say it shouldn't take that. Why can't I don't I don't want volatile energy. I don't want injuries and things like that on either yeah. side of the ball. Why do we have to have that? Why can't we play every game with that energy? Right. Why can't we play every game like we have a chip on our shoulder? Why does it have to be emotionally driven? Like, I'm not a football player. I'll be the first to say. I played in sixth grade. In the last play of our last game, my own jerk player, as a joke, clipped me from behind and broke my collarbone. I didn't play ever again because of that. Because of it. Because I was like, "Ah, this isn't for me. I don't want to get injured. Right. Um... So I'll be the first to say, I'm not speaking from someone who has years of football playing experience. I get that there is a a level of endorphins that kick in and energy, and and some people turn into these gladiators and stuff like that. 
to the point where like they almost lose who they are. I get that. But why can't every game be playing with that energy to win? Right. You shouldn't. Ha- there shouldn't have to be a story driving you, a narrative driving you. Like, oh, well, that was because we had no every your, game. Your narrative is should be to to do what you can to to help the team, and then you know leave everything on the field. Yeah. That's what your narrative should be for every single game, every single team. D3, D2, D1, hockey, football, basketball. doesn't matter. Yep. Narratives. Be done with it. I'm a theater kid. I get narratives drive everything. But yeah. when it gets to the point that you're so driven with this fire that it completely changes who you are as a human being. Right. I think it's scary, man. It's dangerous. And that's why I'm glad that we're doing this a far enough distance away yet still close enough to where because I mean even going up in through last night like I had a, a, a thought process that at some point in time today this could turn into very Shannon Sharp Skip Bayless type material <laughs> no cap as the no kids cap, would say these the days say. as long as it doesn't turn into uh, as long as neither one of us become a uh, Gosh, who's that commentator? I can't stand. He hates Dallas. I know that. He's on. He's on. Oh, Stephen Smith. Stephen Stephen oh, A. Yeah. Smith. As long as neither one of us become a Stephen A. Smith, I'll be fine. <laughs> I'll agree with that. Well, Ugh. before we get uh, have too much time, get away from us. We actually do need to get into some stat lines and talk about the other games that happened this week in the SEC. I also have a, a funny thing. What's up? To mention. Okay, so. This time, last week, uh, or, or just a few days ago, the big funny joke was what the young coach at Miami did to the Broncos. Oh, yeah, the okay. 70 to 20. Yes, the 70 to 20. Oh, that he was well, going around in the stands. Just a few like, days makes such a, a difference because look at what Buffalo then turned around and did oh, to that absolutely. same team. But so I have to highlight this story, though. So about three months ago, Sean Payton publicly and bluntly criticized ex-Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett for one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. Hackett is his lone HC season in his lone head coach season for the Broncos went four and eleven before getting booted. Now Payton is O and three with the Denver Broncos at that point. And has ultimately found himself on the bad side of the NFL history after getting 70 points dropped on him <laughs> from, by Tua Tullovoga and the, and the Dolphins. One thing stays true, though. Hackett has never gotten 70 points dropped on him. <laughs> I was like, because, like, anytime I can give Sean Payton some heck, you know, I, I don't dislike the guy. I don't love the guy. I just, when that karmatic stories, right. I, like, I have to pay it. Some homage to karmatic stories. I love karma. So, well, speaking of Sean Payton in Denver, they somehow found a way to not be the absolute worst team. That is very in true in the league this past. That is very true. Y- yesterday, that as it were. And also, yes, uh, uh, and that was very heartbreaking as a as a person who married into a Bears family. Mm. Uh, I also want to hint to the fact that my Dallas Cowboys embarrassed the Patriots. They did embarrassed. That was that was a. Uh, unfortunately, they were on the receiving end of of a uh, 
Cowboys defense retaliation. Yes. yes. Uh, because Josh Dobbs, former Tennessee quarterback, and the Arizona mm-hmm. Cardinals just flat out embarrassed him last week. They did. They did. They were they were angry. And and as a Cowboys fan, I didn't mind seeing Dobbs get a victory over the Cowboys. So that was cool too. But back to the the podcast at hand. Let's talk some stats. I'm very excited to get some to into these uh, conversations, especially. Uh, coming out of Kroger Field. I can't wait to hear how old Ray. Uh, oh, good. Ray Davis, dude. Ray Davis went off. And um, I hope that our defensive coordinator had people watching that game. <laughs> 20, 20 or 30 he yards away from setting a new Kentucky. 26 yards. He was yeah. 26 yards from setting the Kentucky record. Yeah. So kudos to him. Kudos to him. Yeah. And that was having, turning in a 280, 285-yard day. Mm-hmm. Totally insane. All right, uh, winners first, I guess. Yes, let's go with the winners first. Um, Joe Milton, 21-32, 239 yards, one touchdown. Actually did have two interceptions. Fun fact, mm-hmm. uh, that was the first interception South Carolina had gotten in Neyland Stadium since 2016. Yes. And actually wound up getting two of them. And before that game, had not thrown an interception while wearing orange. Yep. So... Yay for small victories, still I guess. It's a small victory. It's a small <laughs> victory. Um, on the ground, though, is the main story. Uh, while Milton did get some stuff going, 239 yards in the air, uh, it was the balanced running attack, 238 yards on the ground, that definitely opened up the passing attack for Milton. Um, Jalen Wright, 16 carries for 123 yards, uh, 7.7 yard average. Uh, he wound up getting a touchdown and did have a long of 42, which that was one of the ones that he just broke off. Or no, mm. that was the one um, right there at the goal line to where yeah. he was just kind of standing there for a second and then just whoop around to the side. Uh, and give Tennessee's offensive line credit, uh, I think, having uh, Cooper Mays back in the lineup. The difference that it as, showed. As that, that, that general. That general, yeah. yeah, he was able to to make sure that everybody was setting the edge <laughs> and everything else. And, and but they I got did find myself laughing, kind of at his expense. Again, not a, not an athlete myself. Oh, you got winded, dude. Was winded. It's different. It's kind of like uh, you'll hear wrestlers talk about, like, oh, there's different between being in shape and being in ring shape. Yeah. Um, hey, you could tell he was like, I have not played a game all year. Yeah. Like, practice is not game. No, and there would be times where he'd go. You'd see him kind of like laughing with the players, and he'd like be mad. And I could only imagine him being like, "Whew, let me tell you, boys, right? <laughs> I'm tired." Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it was. But good. I mean, it that's, was, it was that's good to something see. that could get the the guys to the left and to the right of you to to give that just mm-hmm. a little bit more effort, and that could. That it was bit it was really good to see see makes a difference on those one on ones to see him back. It was really good. Uh, Jabari Small didn't have a, a terrible day himself. I think he was a little bit more contained. Uh, same thing for Dylan Sampson, even though both of them did get a touchdown on the day. <clears throat> even getting Squirrel White into the, the running game just a little bit. Tennessee receiving, speaking of, uh, Squirrel White, nine catches, 104 yards on the day. Didn't get a touchdown, uh, but a very, very acrobatic catch. For someone mm-hmm. of his size, especially going against the defender that he was going against uh, on that catch down there near the si- uh, end zone, for all intents and purposes, I thought that one was was uh, broken up, mm-hmm. uh, knocked off to the side. But no, he wound up coming down with it. So, so uh, props to him. 
Dylan Sampson, a couple of catches in there himself. Jacob Warren, uh, tight end, coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, in placement of Brew McCoy, uh, was able to get three catches, 26 yards, and did score. Uh, the only receiving touchdown for Tennessee, unless you want to count Kamal Haddon. It could not have happened for a better person because Haddon has had a terrible season. Yeah. He's the he one that has. I've always made jokes like he's beaten. He's got it's like people are going up higher than him. People are outrunning him. He's being yeah. beaten every single play. He just play. happened to be in the right place at the right time uh, for that one. And uh, sadly, I, I, I was not. Uh, you know, last week I did test positive for COVID, so I, I and I didn't even get to be at the game. Yeah. You know that 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 sucked because, like I've always said, you know, there's nothing like kneeling nights. Uh, uh, it absolutely sucks. And and here's 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 where I stand on on my the spirit of it all. I put being in Neyland Stadium as a Vol fan under the lights in a sold-out crowd in a big game above Disney World, Dollywood, any of that stuff. That's me personally. Right. I get that. That's my, if I can make it uh, uh, make sense to some people, that is my energy level. Right. In being get, getting to go to these things with my family as a season ticket holder, I would rather be there than Disney World. Right. So, having to watch this game from my couch. Oh, I'm sure. It absolutely sucked. But I will say, um, you know, Matt, my wife took care of me, you know, whilst I was sick really well. She made buffalo wings and, and finger foods and, and so chips and dip. We had a full on game day experience. We had a full on game day experience. Um, so, you know, I didn't get to see Cooper back live i didn't get to experience dark mode live which has become one of my favorite things um but uh but yeah uh, uh the the fact that each running back scored a touchdown i thought was really cool yeah was really cool tennessee also had two fumbles but they did recover those mm-hmm. so no harm no foul there other than uh jabari small and d williams are definitely going to be doing some uh ball security drills uh, mm-hmm. for this next week Tennessee defensively, uh, fairly even. Three players recording five tackles, um, including Wesley Walker. Uh, his five tackles were all solo tackles uh, and did have a pass deflected. Um, Jalen McCullough, Elijah Herring also tallying five tackles each. Uh, Aaron Beasley, Omar no- Norman Lott, and Bryson Eason uh, all t- getting four tackles on the day. Um Total in all, um, you've got six. What was six sacks on the the scorecard? But watching the game, uh, again, I know people are going to say, "Oh, it's just because you were on the losing team." Two of those were self-inflicted. Oh, one I was mean, visually self-inflicted. Yeah, like ran into his own. Yeah. Guy. Yeah, and the other one was he was turning to cut back the other direction mm-hmm. and lost his footing, and just because he goes down in college, you are down. Yeah. Yeah, whereas the NFL, regardless, you can get back up and keep going. College, you are down. Do you see a, a real change in the future for that? Potentially. The more uh, versatile quarterbacks start playing? Yeah. That That's something that definitely needs to be addressed because – I mean, at no point in time was a Tennessee defender near him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he rolled out of the pocket, lost his footing, 
had plenty of space to recover, could have set and thrown. I mean, it may have been an I incompletion mean, or an interception. With, but yeah, with the with the the growing uh, uh, climate of these versatile quarterbacks in the college uh, arena, I wouldn't be against a look at that role. Yeah, a, a but regardless, to it. regardless, Tennessee was was creating chaos. The Tennessee defensive front yeah. was creating chaos left and right. Uh, for South Carolina and specifically for Spencer Rattler, um, the entire time pretty much picking on true freshman Tree Babalati. Tight but I'm ends, telling you, man, the you tight give ends, him, the running backs, the you give him the, a couple years. Yeah, none of those guys, none of them were were providing him with any help. No, no, <coughs> and and like I've like said for about our O line for years now, uh, it controls the whole thing. Yeah, it does. I mean, line of scrimmage regardless, but, yeah, specifically offensive line, I mean, you're not going to be able to get anything done if you can't control the offensive line of scrimmage. If you can't give your quarterback time or if you can't create a hole for your running back to get through, mm. it's going to be a long day, which we actually were able to get some stuff going running. I mean, uh, Mario Anderson, Super yeah. Mario Anderson, Whoa. broke off that 75-yard touchdown run. Dude hit a Severely high gear, yeah. <laughs> taking off from out of there. Uh, he and, hit that. He hit that star. Yeah, all you could hear nobody was catching him. They were not. Uh, and he's um, Division Two transfer. He came. Oh, I, I heard that when they announced yeah. it. That's awesome. Uh, so I mean, that's something that at least for the most part, Shane Beamer is someone who can elicit a lot of mm-hmm. stuff out of out of seemingly perceived uh, lesser talent. But all in all, um, like I said, total sacks, six. Um, I personally would give them direct credit for four. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that fifth one where um, they just ran the uh, offensive lineman. I think it was – I can't remember if it was Gargiulo. Or yeah, basically it was the, the, the work they were putting in kind of ran him into yeah, the, yeah. the direction. But, but so. the one, no, that was just – there was sand on the field. <laughs> That's one of the things that I heard so many people, uh, people teams that lose to South Carolina. That's one of the things that they always complain about. Sand, is there's on, the sand on the field. Swear, <laughs> some of the excuses that people come up with as to why their team well, loses Jupiter is, was out of alignment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> craziness. All right, let's flip over to the other side. While of course they did lose, uh, Spencer Rattler had a a. In terms of completions and attempts, I mean, he's still fairly rated up there. Um, of course, he didn't hit nowhere near the yardage he had hit uh, because we weren't hitting any passes, really. Um, he did go 24-35 for 169 yards, did have the one interception that we talked about earlier. Um, Kai Kroger, in his collegiate career as a passer, uh, only has one incompletion so far. Uh, but this game, he's still... Um, was able to get one out of there and that was actually a decent play and i know people were confused and you really didn't see it all that much on the the screen um was that they were going to line up on first down and basically do the same thing again just to catch tennessee off guard uh and that's one of the things that i do love about shane beamer pete limbo and stuff like that is they are willing to take those type of chances and before i go any further on this there's something that i definitely want to to mention and i know that sec officiating 
and I'm not as far as like any kind of penalty calls or anything mm-hmm. like that. I don't have any kind of issues with the penalties that were called during this game. Mm-hmm. I think the actual with a few missed calls on both sides because uh, there was definitely a good bit of holding on both the mm-hmm. uh, Tennessee and South Carolina offensive lines at times that they just let it play out. They just let them go. It's fine. It stayed even, and I think that um, any kind of like PI, which I think there was only one PI call per team. Yeah. I mean, it was fairly clean football. Yeah. I mean, South Carolina just got their rear ends beat. Mm. Um, was that one? They had so much difficulty with the clock. I don't know yes. who was controlling the clock. What was going on with he that? Was, he was on his phone. But there <laughs> was there was so much crap with that yes. that it's like how many times w- you have to stop to reset the clock in one game and add time back to the clock like Dude, these isn't it supposed are to be long. yeah isn't it supposed to be running yes aren't it's we supposed to be, to be making games shorter yes but they kept going back and making it longer by adding time back onto the clock but the other thing was i noticed and I don't know why there wasn't the coverage of it. It seemed like every time it happened, I never saw the substitution of South Carolina players on offense. But gameplay was stopped while Tennessee's defense subbed in and South Carolina is standing there like in play, in in position, ready to go and it's snap the, the ball. the same thing that happened to us at Florida. And I even made a comment about it while watching. I was like, but South Carolina didn't. Yeah, like didn't substitute. We didn't sub, so why are the why are the refs stopping play? That's twice now. So in the Tennessee game once against us. Tennessee and once can kind of for us. Yeah, so Tennessee that I've seen that sub. happen, and I'm like, okay, we might need to take a look at this. And and on the second time, South Carolina, by the time that the the because they were about to get called for uh, defensive mm-hmm. delay a game because mm-hmm. the uh, bigger player was taking forever to get off the field. And then the you see him, oh, and take off running. South Carolina has literally a second mm-hmm. to get the ball snapped and hopefully not get a false start. That that It's like, come on, man. Like, what what are like we doing said, here? I, I don't get that. There, there's Because like I said, if, if they substitute. It's two really weird instances where on both sides of the ball, like I said, at Florida, it hurt us. Yeah. It benefited us in this game. That's twice now I've seen the refs do that in but a Tennessee yeah, game. And like I'm like, said, when did this I've, start? Like I've yet to – I didn't see South Carolina substitute on either of those. I like either. I said, I don't know if it was just because they didn't show it on TV or, or, or what the case may have been. But you've got like, – But the commentators didn't say. Usually, you like the commentator would say something like, we did have a substitution. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah South Carolina. They didn't say. Oh, they yeah, never there was, said it. Even they were like, I didn't see South Carolina substitute. And then it was, seemed like it was almost the entire mm-hmm. defense was coming in and mm-hmm. substituting at that point in time. And like I said, South Carolina is down in position, ready to go. Give me the ball. Let's go. Like, let's get this ball snapped. And, like, yes. uh, Tennessee stands up and then, the, oh, let's trot off the field and yep. let's get the other team onto I, the I, field. I'm at a loss for those two instances, like I said this last weekend where it did favor us and then against Florida where it did not favor us. That's two instances where I feel like the refs just said we need to get some control right? or let's stop this momentum or 
whatever. I need to establish some dominance as the stripes again. I don't know what it is, but there's yeah. two instances in this season this early where I've been like, I've never seen that. No. I've never seen that happen. Continuing on, and I hope this is a situation moving forward to where South Carolina does realize that Mario Anderson is our number one running back, is RB1. Yes. Um, quit trying to feed the carry-on joiner. Get him back out there as a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He's done better as a wide receiver. Or use him in wildcat packages. Yeah. Whatever you're going to do, but he is not a running back. Mm. Most of the time he's hitting the, the pile and falling down. He, he doesn't have the running back mentality. Um, he might be able to continue to do some things for us as a receiver or, like I said, just put him in some weird wildcat mm-hmm. packages, trick plays, gadget plays, whatever. Mario Anderson is running back number one. Yes. And needs to stay that way. Um, after a couple-week disappearance of Juju McDowell, it suddenly he pops back onto the scene almost in, like Dylan Sampson. Yeah. Um, but then they choose the most inopportune times to put it in there and give him the ball uh, to be able to run. Overall, South Carolina actually, like I said, did manage to find a running game. Uh, 132 yards on the ground on 27 total attempts, uh, including one for Spencer Rattler himself mm-hmm. going up and being able to get the the ball to break the plane for the touchdown. But past that, uh, receiving... Uh, Xavier Leggett, five catches on the day for a, a very underwhelming 50 yards. Uh, best receiver on the day was Trey Knox, tight end. Transfer from Arkansas, seven catches, 51 yards, uh, long of 20. Uh, Amarian Brown, actually one of his catches, breaking off for the 44-yard scamper, mm-hmm. um, was a really good play. I mean, a few flashes here and there, uh, but for the most part, I mean, like I said, just – Offensive play was very underwhelming from the Gamecocks. I mean, I really don't have much other to say than that. Like I said, Tennessee uh, and their defensive front was definitely playing lights out. Um, Would not allow South Carolina to get any kind of edge set or anything like that. And like I said, a majority of it was coming off that one side. I mean, they full-on just stacked everything against Babalotti and were just going to town on that side. On the defensive side of the ball, uh, continuing a streak. Um, uh, well, we did have one game to where this hasn't been the case. Um, but at least a one South Carolina player having uh, double-digit sa- or tackles. And in this case, um, we actually had two, both uh, freshman Jalon Kilgore and sophomore D.Q. Smith. Um, Kilgore with 15 tackles, D.Q. Smith with 12 tackles, uh, eight solo for Kilgore and three solo for D.Q. Smith. Mm-hmm. Um Kilgore with a pass deflected. Uh, same thing with Eman Wari, even though he did get burned on that one to Squirrel White. Um, only recorded one sack, one tackle for loss, which is is devastating. I mean, you have to get into the backfield at some point in time. Uh, going back over to Tennessee, they had a total of eight tackles for loss on the day. Um, interceptions, two interceptions. DQ Smith with one. Jalen Kilgore with one. Uh, DQ Smith did get... Uh, 16-yard return on the one, and Kilgore, while it was an interception, it would have been better served as just a a pass deflected Mm -hmm. and made him punt. We would have at least been able to get a little bit more return because he went down on the interception catch. 
down there at the goal line. We wound up having a punt at that point in time anyway. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that's the one that had it not been for the illegal block in the backfield, you guys would have wound up getting a return touchdown on that punt. D is poised. He wants one so bad this year. Yeah. He um, wants one. Past that, I mean, not much to speak of for uh, – South Carolina in terms of anything else. I mean, yeah, Mitch Jeter did have uh, two field goals, went two for two on field goals with a long being 47. Um, accounted for eight of the 20 points that South Carolina had on the day. Um, of course, Spencer Rattler and Mario Anderson having the touchdowns each. Um, and then Kai Kroger, I mean, if he doesn't win the the Ray Guy award this year – I don't know. I mean, dudes, while he may have had a slow start to this year, I mean, he, he just picked right back up yeah. and is continuing to move forward, uh, not only in the uh, special teams term as far as doing some of the trick or gadget plays, um, but the the ball placement. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he can put it down there anywhere he wants to on the mm-hmm. field. I'll I don't st- know. I'll still say this. <clears throat> a few other takeaways. Uh, we can talk a few more things about this game in general. We'll take a break, and then we'll get back to around the SEC. We can make jokes about, you know, the perspective of what Rattler said after the game. You can have all your clickbait crap about stuff he actually didn't say leading into the game to try to fuel the Vol Nation. Um, but I do think that uh, I personally have, don't like him since the Netflix documentary. Um, from a few years ago, but again, I will also say Netflix is looking for certain things, so right. it's very easy to feed I never, lines. I never watched it. He's he's kind of a he's kind of a jerk, right. but I think they all. I mean, you he, have to. All I've seen is just what has happened yes, since he since became South a Gamecock. Yes, um, uh, I I mean I knew his accolades, but I still from think Oklahoma. But I still I think the kid is is in the hunt. I think he belongs in the hunt. As a Heisman, uh, I think he ha- he has the capabilities, uh, has the talent to have gotten to that point. But after Caleb Williams came in, that that was nail one, mm-hmm. nail two, and and not anything because of his decision to 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 come to South Carolina or anything like that. You think that hurt him? But there's a 100% there is a national media hatred, in a sense, for South Carolina, and I don't know where it's founded. I really don't. Maybe Will. Huh? <laughs> Maybe during the times of Will Muschamp. <laughs> no, 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 no. This, this goes further back. I mean, this is something to where this goes as far back as, like, being founded before the the star rating system was even issued mm. to players, just because since the star thing has been issued yeah. to players, star rating has been issued to players. There has been like not documented in terms of like, oh yes, they went to South Carolina, so let's take a star or half a star off of their their rating, but Which literally within within. A few weeks to a maybe a couple of months after someone has committed to South Carolina, they drop a star. They will drop. 
there has been very and that few also instances. Goes back to very who's few instances. Those decisions. Right. Like very few instances to where that has been opposite the case to where after someone has committed to South Carolina to where their actual accolades what they're able to mm-hmm. do on the field as a junior senior in high yeah. school after to to bring them up usually regardless of of how their their season at that point in time because mm-hmm. a lot of times like say a, a kid will commit in December, January, yeah. something like that with a verbal commit. They don't play again until August. Nothing could physically affect like their Like nothing star. should affect their star rating, yet they wind up having stars drop off of their thing, off of their, their rating. Mm-hmm. And, and and anytime, I mean, you can listen to, to uh, sports broadcasters. It's like even listening to the pro broadcasters. If it's a team that they like or a player that they like, Everything is one hundred percent. They good sound stuff like a homer. Them. Yeah, they the term. sound They're like a homer. homer. Um, and then if it's a team that they really don't care for, even if they're capacity, doing something good, they'll say something like a, "Well, yeah, they completed that pass, but it really could have been for more." Yeah, <laughs> uh, I can clearly um, see you don't like who you're talking about. <laughs> the the Sunday night broadcasters. Mm. Um, I can't think of the names right now, but the the one guy is. Is all about Aaron Rodgers. And oh, I like, bet he's just heartbroken. Oh yeah, right now because he can't talk about his favorite person. <laughs> Other like, than uh, Madden used to be with Favre. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So, did you watch any of last night's game? I did. Uh, I thought it was kind of funny that I've never seen Aaron Rodgers on the camera more. Not playing a ball game. One hundred percent. Like I saw like, Aaron Rodgers and Taylor Swift more. <laughs> On I was actually about NFL to, football cameras. I was actually about to make the joke in the fact that um, I thought I was watching a celebrity uh, rap party right? with a football game in the middle of it. I know. I was like, the, and that's another thing that they control the narrative. Like, in all honesty, this whole like Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing, like this whole like I, I sent you a funny joke, like step brothers, yeah, step fans, yeah, you know now Swifties and NFL people are yeah. step fans. Why? Money. A girl went to a game. Money. If they're dating, cool. If they're not, cool. Money, money, money. <laughs> I'm like, money. We are making such a big deal out of this. That's a, um, and that was like pre-show uh, uh, or pre-game shows. Uh, 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 red Zone, NFL yeah. Red Zone. Like, regardless of what outlet you went to, it was mm-hmm. oh my god. Taylor Swift is Taylor Swift's in the game, and, and now, Aaron Rodgers is on crutches. And oh now no. um, she brings Ryan Reynolds along with her, and Hugh Jackman happens to be mm-hmm. there. Uh, Blake like, decides Ooh. to show up. Mm-hmm. It, you've got a who's who hanging out with Taylor uh, Swift. Yeah, you know. I wonder if Rodgers asked if he could come up there, and they were like, "No, no." Uh, well, I've heard it on good authority that Taylor Swift was seen. Wearing a cocky top podcast shirt, so everyone else should go to tpublic.com, Legend Studio, and get a cocky top podcast shirt because I have it on good authority that Taylor Swift was wearing one after the game last night. After the game. After the game last night. And she got hers from tpublic as well. tpublic.com, Legend Studios. 
Um, After that shameless plug, we're going to take just a couple of minutes, and whenever we come back, we're going to get to the other games around the SEC from this past week, number five. This portion of the Cocky Top Podcast is brought to you by the Gatlinburg Brewing Company. With 16 craft beers on tap and brick fire oven craft pizzas, GBC is the place to be in Sevier County. Gatlinburg Brewing Company has two locations to visit, one on the strip of Gatlinburg and one at 870 Winfield Dunn Parkway beside Tennessee Legend Distillery. When you stop in, tell them you heard about them on the Cocky Top Podcast from Legend Studios. Enjoy and cheers to you, Legends. What's up, Legends? This is Tyler. Just stopping in here to remind you about our tea public store that's t-e-e-p-u-b-l-i-c tpublic.com search legends studios and you're going to be able to find all of the attire that we create ourselves that they do to your order and ship it straight to you now there are always great deals going on we run some deals individually but you can find your between two barrels podcast shirts cocky top podcast 30 and nerdy podcast and some other fun designs that we may do for legends studios do not forget to check out the T Public store under Legend Studios. Now let's get back to the podcast. Cheers to you, Legends. All right, all you cock and balls, and welcome back. And if you have been listening to this, you probably just got back from going to T Public and ordering your Cocky Top Podcast shirt just so you can be just like the head Swifty herself, yes. Miss Taylor Swift, uh, who, Tyler has on good authority i do was seen after the chiefs game mm. sporting mm. a cocky top three-quarter length baseball cut yes yes t-shirt it's all the rage now Everyone it is wearing them. it is and like tyler said before the break you can go to t public they are always running different types mm-hmm. of specials and discounts not only can you get um, the cocky top logo on t-shirts they've got hoodies sweatshirts long sleeve coffee tees mugs. coffee mugs stickers uh, any and all of that type of stuff you can order through Tee Public, and they do have sales running all the time on that site well getting around to the rest of the SEC um, actually before we do that I have to make a, a funny notice that I also noticed in the game you know how we recently did the Artful Dodger thing yeah I don't think that Milton's the new Artful Dodger can I just say that okay what he has is a bulky grace, is what I'm going to call it. A bulky grace. Bulky grace. Not full-on Hendon Hooker. Not Artful Dodger from back in the days. It's like a bulky grace because he's not a small guy. And I wouldn't call him a Dodger right? per se. But I noticed like in his the few times he had to scramble, I was like, I don't think we should give him that moniker. I really don't because he's not really a graceful Dodger. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, when I think of like a, an artful Dodger, I'm thinking like, oh, ooh, they're going to break your ankles. Yeah. You know? No, whenever his he's, feet get to moving, he is not a good It's a It's good like passer. this bulky, gra- this accidental charisma in running he has. It's, it's all bulky grace. I just want... I'm, I'm coining that. In, in you heard the, it here. It's bulky grace. In the in the age of of things being renamed, uh, yes. the the tush push is no longer the tush push. It is now known as the brotherly shove. The 
Jalen Hurt says we're not going to call it the tush push. No, that's a that's a little brotherly shove. It is now the brotherly shove. And Joe Milton is bulky grace. Is bulky grace. Yes. <sighs> let's talk about the other. Let's SEC talk about yeah. Let's talk wild, about the other wild SEC football day. You want to go east or west first? So let's get the west out of the way. All right. That being said, Alabama taking on Mississippi State. Uh, Alabama traveling to Starkville. Starkville just coming off the loss to my Gamecocks. Um, unfortunately, running into the brick wall that is the Alabama Crimson Tide. Mm. Final score: forty to seventeen. Jalen Milrow only one hundred and sixty-four yards in the air, uh, but he did have eleven carries for sixty-nine yards and two touchdowns. And then Alabama tight end uh, Nablock with three catches for 61 yards on the day. Um, just another unfortunate situation for Mississippi State. Um, mm. Head coach Zach Arnett, he's doing what he I can with what he's Zach got. Arnett. I don't. I don't like dislike him as a person. Uh, he is definitely a defensive-minded coach, but they need to get a new offensive coordinator in there mm. or need to get a quarterback in their system Who for that system. Yes. Uh, just because while Will Rogers is a very good air raid quarterback – um, him being in the regular, yeah, more regular system, more balanced system is is not his forte. No, um, and like I said, there was some definitely some good things uh, from Alabama. Come out strong in the first half, scoring uh, what would have been thirty one of those forty points, uh, and then getting just a few field goals, one in the third quarter and two in the fourth quarter to be able to cap that game off. So started off strong, kind of mm-hmm. weakened out as the game went on, but their defense held strong, um, kind of sandwiching Mississippi State scoring drives there in the middle in the second and third quarter. And oddly, it was probably Bama's best performance all year. Yeah, um, albeit from last year or last week uh, playing against Ole Miss. And speaking of Ole Miss, dude. What a game. I did not – predict that one to be the highest scoring game no no in no means and there was they were plus 50 points in the first quarter Mm -hmm. uh what was the total line i think that there was between the two teams i'm gonna pull up the box score here real quick and i and and i gotta say i was i was i think poised to shout go tigers over a thousand total yards of yeah. offense between the two teams. It is. That is. Let's see. 600. Let's just go ahead and say 700 from Ole Miss mm-hmm. and another 650 from LSU. Good goo. Yeah. An exciting that. That was a an exciting game. That was definitely a shootout, but that goes to show you that their offenses are not that great. Or no. their defenses. Their defenses. Sorry, their defenses. That was an are offensive not that great. Game. That was uh, it was definitely one of those games as we said, saw uh, in the the final minute of the game on when the clock ran out and and I was poised like I said to, to give a good a good G E U X to the Tigers I wanted to see Lane go down this this had implications of who's taking over the West this game did oh for um, sure so um, uh, but you know the Lane train uh, got the first stop to the station. Which all of them right now have what would be a single conference loss. Mm-hmm. They do. So the West is definitely uh, still being won in a manner to speak, and uh, it's, it's definitely an interesting place. But uh, I uh, did not get to watch that whole game. Uh, I was I was in and out of consciousness before the South Carolina game started in Neyland. 
But, you know, I, it sounded like an exciting offensive game, but both sides' defenses should should be practicing this week. <laughs> Uh, a lot of the mistakes that that I saw in a lot of highlights. So, uh, oh, for sure, um, there was one uh, stat because I was listening to Josh Pate this morning mm-hmm. talking about this game, and I think LSU during one particular run had eight missed tackles. Like, jeez, <clears throat> yeah, someone from Ole Miss was was on their way to the end zone, and there was a total of eight missed tackles on that one play. So yeah, it they is, all ran a mile. Yeah, the next day. <laughs> oh, for sure. If not further. Yeah. Um, one thing that I did want to uh, kind of touch on. I know we had mentioned it as far as like just the game and football in general mm-hmm. has has moved to uh, a, a more aerial everything, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, just because of the style of quarterback that we have playing right now in this generation. Um, the game is less about the running back, less about time of control and stuff like that controlling the clock with possessions yes it does come into play but it only comes into play in the waning minutes of the game especially if you're trying to maintain a lead but but past that for whatever reason it's like the the emphasis has not been put on trying to develop stronger defensive backs for a majority of teams and that's usually what's happening for the most part is dbs are getting torched and we've already mentioned that that um, the secondary for the SEC is is a main point of contention, mm-hmm. and I don't know, man. You just have to. If the times are changing, you got to change with the times. You gotta change with the times. But I don't know when that that balance is is going to be achieved once again. Uh, but all in all, yeah, definitely not one that that. We saw coming. Definitely no. thought that one was going to be an LSU victory, mm-hmm. especially after how Ole Miss basically laid down to Alabama the week before. Mm-hmm. Um, last one for the West: uh, Texas A&M, Arkansas. Uh, was definitely rooting for the Hogs. Me too. Uh, was hoping that that they were going to be able to take A&M down, uh, but unfortunately did not. Let's see. Uh, quarterback uh, John, Max Johnson, I think it is for Texas A&M. Uh, 210 yards on the day, two touchdowns, one interception. He's actually, or um, if you didn't already know, had taken the place for uh, starting quarterback Connor Wegman, mm. who went down last week with an injury. Um, A&M's running back Moss, 17 carries for 107 yards. Uh, but the uh, Armstrong wide receiver for Arkansas, three catches, 78 yards, and a touchdown on that game. 34-22 was the final. Uh, moving over to the SEC East, uh, Missouri making a trip to Nashville to take on Vanderbilt. Yeah. Uh, that one was a good game for for the last quarter, mm-hmm. it seemed like. Um, Vanderbilt with an opportunity to come back, unfortunately, uh, ultimately falling short to Mizzou, who now sits 5-0 and overall. Um, who would have saw that coming? Nobody. Yeah. Five and zero. Oh Five first and zero oh overall since two thousand ten. Yeah, two thousand ten. Yeah. Um, one and zero oh in SEC, uh, which is kind of skewing the SEC East standings right now. Yeah. Uh, in terms of power rankings versus like what well, your schedule. Well, there's like such a. Uh, you're gonna see so many T's right now in that SEC East, like tied for. You know, so many T's because of how little conference play there has been. 
No, honestly, no, not right now. I mean, Where I, I get right what now. you're saying at it yeah. as it stands right now, but it's full on in the East. It's Georgia, Mizzou, or no, Georgia, Kentucky, Mizzou, Tennessee, so South Carolina, or no, do Georgia, you think Kentucky, Mizzou, Tennessee, South Carolina, Vandy. Okay, so looking at that. Georgia, Kentucky, Mizzou. All three. Yeah. Undefeated. Yes. All three in the East. Yes. Shouldn't their rankings be based off strength of schedule? Well, I mean, I, yes, think so, yes. But in terms of, of, of how the things of are going. How it wherever, actually goes. Um, the only one as far as Georgia, the reason they're keeping them there is just because of their number one ranking. Because they haven't played... They just now played their second conference game. This coming Saturday is dogs and cats, right? Because uh, I think that that is could quite possibly be the game to watch. Oh, figuring out what the dynamics yes. going to be for moving forward the for SEC the East. Moving forward. Yeah, uh, you are correct. Kentucky okay. is traveling once again to Georgia. Georgia's they went one away, away for one one game, but they do have pretty much the remainder of their schedule with the exception of Georgia Tech at the end it's of the some year. SEC I think road is, games. Is road games, yeah. yeah. Alright, so I was for Vandy that day. Yeah. Uh, I was I was not sporting I don't have any door attire. Uh, I, I think it's kind of in the contract as a ball fan, like even though they are a Tennessee team, you're not allowed to have, you're not allowed to have door it. attire. Um, I have more Kentucky attire than I do Vanderbilt attire. <laughs> I was for the doors. I wanted to anchor down and see Missouri get upset uh, at the construction site, but uh, right did not happen. It did not. Um, Brady Cook and Luther Burden are. I, I thought that Spencer Rattler and Xavier Leggett were probably one of the best combos, uh, quarterback wide receiver combos. But this Missouri but combo man, Brady is... Cook and Luther Burden man, and I know you already don't like the coach. Correct. Drinkwitz. You no. don't like drink. No, just because, like I said, even before, I mean, I'm sure as a as a guy, he's fine. Um, probably a really good coach, really good guy. Mm-hmm. I just don't like him because of the fact that he's had South Carolina's number even every before. time that they've played. Yep. Yeah, even before. Um, Brady Cook, 395 yards on the day, four touchdowns. Luther God. Burden with 11 catches for 140 yards and two of those touchdowns. So, yeah, I mean, that is a really good combo, albeit they're playing Vanderbilt. But I can't say anything because we're just one rung above Vanderbilt on the ladder right now. So, I mean, yes, Tennessee still has a path to be able to get there. But they're going to have to be very reliant on what South Carolina does to the rest of the teams on their schedule Mm. to be able to get them knocked down. Yes. As well as, of course, some of the other teams. Speaking of some of those other teams, let's continue on. Number 22, Florida, traveling to Kroger Field to face BBN, the Big Blue Nation, and Big Blue Nation showed the blue wall showed out, out baby. Um, Ray Davis, like Tyler mentioned early in the 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 broadcast or the podcast, twenty six carries, two hundred and eighty yards, twenty six yards from setting a new school record and possibly even an an SEC an SEC record. record. Yeah. At that point, and three touchdowns on the day. Uh, Kentucky quarterback really 
a very, very, very pedestrian day, but mm-hmm. you don't have to throw anything whenever your running back is literally running all over the place. Yes. Uh, Graham Mertz, actually, Florida quarterback, posted a better stat line with 244 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. And the tight end, uh, Pearsall, uh, for Florida, mm. um, just continues to to make some very good catches and take some very punishing hits afterwards. Yeah. And and hopefully uh, his his health, uh, for Florida fans' sake, for will last sake. throughout yeah. that. Um, but final score, uh, 33-14, Kentucky takes care of Florida, which is probably going to knock Florida out of the rankings. I haven't seen the new rankings yet. Um, but I'm sure that is going to be the case. And then finally, um, what would have been the cross-division game for this week, that being uh, the number one Georgia Bulldogs traveling to Jordan-Hare Stadium in Auburn, Alabama to take on the Auburn Tigers. And while it was it was all Auburn's game to lose at that point, mm-hmm. that's they didn't – I. Auburn didn't lose that game. Georgia had to come in and full-on beat them. Yes. That's what I said. Auburn While I was watching, I was like, Auburn didn't lose this game. Georgia had to come in and beat them. Yeah. Kind of how I felt a couple of weeks ago whenever uh, South Carolina traveled to Georgia to play them. But ultimately, I mean, Georgia still had the better team. Uh, in this instance, I, I – Brock Bowers, man. Like, whenever he goes – Whenever his draft class comes up, I, if he doesn't go first, I, somebody will have to, to put up ungodly stats to be able to, to, to be drafted before Brock Bowers in that draft class. Yeah, I, I mean, if nothing happens to I the guy between now yeah, and then. I can't think of anybody in the, and would, in the main conferences. Would that potentially be the first time that a tight end gets selected first overall? I, Maybe, because the only other person that I, I was going to say he was the only other person. He's the only other tight he was end a first that I would rounder, probably but compare Brock Bowers to is a Jason, Jason Witten type talent, somebody that's going to probably be in the league for several years, provided yes. they don't get hurt. Just because of the amount of talent he has as both a blocker and a receiver, hmm. but ultimately. Because of Brock, Brock Bowers, Georgia does take home the victory, 27-20, over the Auburn Tigers. Hugh Freeze looked rough in that post-conference. <laughs> A little bit. Currently in the top 25, we are sitting at, coming from 1-25, to I'm not going to take any time, we've got Georgia, Michigan, Texas, OSU, FSU, PSU, Penn State University, Washington, Oregon, USC from California, Notre Dame, Alabama at number 11, Oklahoma, Washington State, University of North Carolina at 14. They're slowly climbing up the list. Yeah, Oregon State. That's the one that's going to make slow, progressive, incremental jumps going from like the bottom end from 21 in five weeks they have gone from 21st to 14th yes 
and are undefeated still yet. Am I correct? Still undefeated. Yes. Yeah. Four and zero. That right there. That's another thing. That's the the thing rankings. We're that about. right there. Twenty first to fourteenth, and you are undefeated, mm-hmm. and you're only jumped that many. Mm-hmm. Florida was ranked in the thirties, and after they beat Tennessee, they got skyrocketed into the top twenty. Mm-hmm. I I don't yeah I don't get it. Rounding out the top twenty five, starting at sixteen, we got Ole Miss, Miami, Utes, Duke, UK at twenty. Uh, Missouri at 21, Tennessee at 22. Then we've got LSU. <laughs> 20, 21, 22, and 23. The SEC apparently has found a new home in the top 25, but yes. it's in the bottom half it's in of the, the bottom top half. 25. And, of course, Fresno and Louisville ending out the top 25. It's an interesting top 25. Well, the... But like we said, we are not even halfway through the season yet. Yeah, and South Carolina does have a bye week this next week, as mm-hmm. well as Tennessee. Yes. Um, so our preview episode for this next week um, is going to be a very short one. Before we head out, uh, one one update. Uh, Brew McCoy did undergo successful surgery uh, Sunday morning. What was that final? What was the final injury diagnosis? A fracture dislocation of his right ankle uh, his family does appreciate all of the prayers and support and thoughts we will keep uh, all Vols updated on his uh, unwavering toughness his character and his leadership as a Vol and on and off the field and uh, he now begins the road to recovery uh, determined to make this just a minor setback in his football career so get well soon brew uh, and, and I got to say, man, uh, that really, really sucks. Anytime uh, a player is injured from a, you know, a concussion to a, a cramp any to injury, any injury, it, yeah. it absolutely sucks. But five weeks ago, we were talking in excitement about his NIL. His NIL opportunity. I mentioned that, like, the other. Uh, yeah, and, and so that, that uh, it sucks to think of the trickle down, what that affects. Yeah. Um, for what his NIL opportunity was. But, so, get well soon, Brew. Other than that, those are my final thoughts for this episode, my friend. Yeah, um, 100% agree. Um, On behalf of the potentially misunderstood or thinking that they are not, looking for the appropriate word to use uh, sympathetic to oh. to the plights of the opposing team um, while it was not shown on the screen at any point in time uh, South Carolina players, staff uh, fans all taking a moment mm-hmm. for Brew McCoy during that um, because I know that we were speaking to the narratives and mm-hmm. propaganda and stuff like that uh, that supposedly Tennessee or South Carolina fans were laughing at Hendon Hooker whenever he went down mm-hmm. last year is is unfounded. Well, um, and even if there could be there could be one instance where like like I'll find myself in a game at home if a road runner had went down with a heat cramp or slow to move up a couple weeks ago. I hear a comment from a Vol fan, "Get up, sissy." My uh, that one person is not all Vol fans, right? You know, even if there is an instance where there might be one jerk or a few jerks, you cannot. 
say an entire fan base off of those few people. You cannot, good and bad. You can't say that, oh, you know, Tyler is, is, is not really that competitive. He's not rude. Vol fan. So they all must be. No, there are very bad Vol, no. Vol fans out there. There are bad and good Vol fans of all fan bases in all sports, as we've said. No, I, I mean, um, I, I'm still a, a, a situation where, like I said, prior to, mm-hmm. I, was, I was a bit more balanced. Yes. Of course, this weekend because of... The more, fact that you more can of hear those, it on the screen. Yeah, more of those negative... That's another thing I want to hint towards is in the, my living room, the, I could the hear the actual words. Yeah, the production company, being ESPN, chanted. SEC Network, had to cut the audio for the crowd mm-hmm. because it was drowning out everything that was going on. Hearing and again, I get the heatedness F. of it. F.U. Spencer like, and F.U. Beamer during the that. The whole, like... Not just athletes, but like that whole, and maybe it was because I was raised differently, not just about that word, but like just the trashiness of shouting that out loud, whether it's to a politician, to a, an athlete, to a bad guy in a movie. I'm just like, when I hear that, I'm like, that says so much more about you. Yeah. I mean, ugh. And that's what I say. I mean, that's why I kind of prefaced everything where it's like, I'm glad I knew certain volunteer yeah. fans before knowing that they were volunteer fans. Yes. Because that's that's like getting to know someone for them and who they really who are. they really are, as opposed to their. You know, I mean, if you want to get to the point of saying, oh, learning about someone's personality as opposed to their looks. Yes. I mean, that, it, it boils down to that situation. Like I said, I am definitely glad that I knew several people as themselves mm. more so. Like, I'm I'm glad I knew you as Tyler, my friend from the theaters, and oh, everything yeah. else before. Like, I mean, I knew that you were, at some point during the, the beginning of our friendship, yeah, I knew that you were a Tennessee fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but more... And, of course, at that point in time, there wasn't as heated of a, a, no. a clashing between Tennessee and South Carolina fan bases at that point in time. Uh, but it's a situation, again, like I said, as things move forward, as things progress, I'm glad that I'm, like I said, that I knew you and and was friend to Tyler McDaniel, yes. the person, as opposed to now Tyler McDaniel, the, the Tennessee the fan. fan. Yeah. yeah. Um, because unfortunately how a, a majority of the people and I'm sure it come from the student section is where a majority of it was coming from and none, and of, those, also, none and of those kids are out there playing football so they don't know what the, is going on as far as any of that stuff wasted anyways. and yeah a majority of them are, are in, inebriated at any yeah. capacity that's but, another place I stand Yeah, the fact that they started selling alcohol in Neyland I've hated that yeah, I hate just it. because it makes it that much more, yeah. it exacerbates things. It. Um, but yeah, just going that that much further with it, it, it just like I said, it's well something like you've had to deal with. Like if someone were to ask you, all right, who's your favorite NFL team? Hmm. Oh, I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm a Cowboys fan. Oh my god, Cowboys fan. Jeez. Yeah, you know, it's like just because you're a fan, you're carrying that stigma. Yeah, but exactly. I, I, uh, unfortunately for 
the 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 non toxic Tennessee fans. It's something that and don't get me wrong has been yeah letting the nerd talk for a second in me. It's not just athletics. In the nerd culture world, we call it the fandom menace. Toxic fandoms, Star Wars fans, some of the hardest people to please, ever. The fandom? The fandom menace. Okay. Yeah, that's what we call it at uh, 30 Nerdy Podcast. So it's not just athletes. I am anti-toxic fandom of all. Of any kind. Of anything. So... Uh, with that being said, I, including politics, including politics, but uh, with all that being said, Florida fans are the worst. <laughs> and so is Florida. <laughs> but other than that, perspective. <laughs> we gotta keep all it into perspective. perspective. <laughs> uh, and that's why we say, guys, as far as the Cocky Top podcast, this is coming from our individual fan yeah. perspectives. We were just fortunately friends before we became yes. uh, pod before, show yeah. co-hosts yeah. and everything else. And then there is going to be an element of this that is done just for the gram, as they would say, uh, just to try to elicit some things. But we are definitely never going to go as far as to spread misinformation uh, to, no. to elicit a response from, from a specific fan base or anything like that. Um, anything that we do as far as you know poking at each other anything like that is 100% purely in jest and at no point in time is it something where we actually you know yeah so even even the stuff I say about other fan bases it's all in jest but thanks for tuning into this episode it was a big one Uh, we've both got bye weeks uh, coming up this coming weekend so the next episode will be our preview show is going to be a very short episode Mm -hmm. All right, Cock and Balls, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Cocky Top Podcast. Don't forget to check out the T Public Store. Uh, follow us on all social media, Instagram, Facebook, at Legends Studios. I'm Alval Tyler Mack for the gamiest of Gamecocks, Brian Lowe. No, no, forever to thee. Forever to thee. Gotcha. I, 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 superstitions. Okay. Superstitions and the, the gamiest, uh, uh, another Only moniker ga- for stinking. Okay. Uh, not kind of got away kind of got away from that one so okay. yes we're You're gonna like be George Carlin playing with words it's all about the words it's all about the words it them's is. my babies them's my babies uh, yes yeah, so forever to thee Gamecock forever to thee regardless Gamecock. of the outcome yes always forever to thee and all of all Tyler Mack be safe out there cheers to you legends